Welcome to the UDIA Queensland's Development Drum podcast, where we speak to members and ask them to share some property industry insights and at the same time, get to know our industry colleagues a little better. Hi, my name is Kirsty Cheshire-Brown and I'm the CEO of UDIA Queensland. And today, my guest on the Development Drum is Harrison Phillips, the Queensland Project Director for Sekasui House Australia. Harrison is currently leading the team to develop the $1.2 billion West Village Precinct in Brisbane's West End. Harrison was named Institute's Young Leader of the Year for 2021, and in his spare time, he enjoys fishing and hitting the open spaces on his motorcycle. Thanks for joining us on the Development Drum today, Harrison. Thank you, Kirsty. It's um, a great pleasure to be here. Harrison, we might kick off by you telling us a little bit about that very small project that you seem to be in charge of called West Village. I say small, it's only worth $1.2 billion. Tell us, it's obviously been almost a labour of love for you. Yeah, look, the project's been going since 2014. So it's a very, very long-standing project. Um, really, it's the living heritage village we're creating over in West End. It's really redefined the south side of the city. And we're about three quarters complete now. So um, a little bit more to go, but the most part of it, it's done now. Fantastic. And you obviously worked through some resi early on. Where are you up to now in terms of the project? Yeah, so we've delivered a very large component of mixed use as part of the precinct. So recently, we handed over $200 million retail asset. We've partnered with Centuria on that one. That was about a year ago. We're just in the process of finishing up Greenhouse, which is about an $85 million commercial A-grade office precinct. So it's pretty exciting times. Yeah, phenomenal. And so close to the city as well. It really has sort of been an absolutely landmark project in terms of the city's transformation across the river. Yeah, look, I think it's really become a pretty defining part of Brisbane lifestyle now. We're really seeing a culmination of that change to high-density lifestyle in Brisbane and, you know, I think along with our sort of partners and, and friends at our area property group, mm. South Brisbane and West End's really become better for it. Yeah, absolutely. It's a thriving precinct. Now, Harrison, you started your career as a development and research analyst at Kaplan and then moved on to Lendlease in a development manager role. How did you find that transition from a technical role through to being a development manager? Yeah, I suppose when I started in real estate, it was the middle of the GFC, so it was great. Uh, t- great time to yeah, start in real estate. <laughs> it was a, as much a, a case of getting employed as it was being where where I wanted to be. Look, I think my initial founding in uh, Kaplan Deloitte, it was a great experience. Very high level of exposure to distress projects, and um, you know, really learned a lot about market cycles and what works and what doesn't. And that was a really good foundation for moving into development. So. Development management has always been where I've wanted to be. Yeah, It's really been my focus through my latter part of my career and really seeing that sort of start of the project right through to the end of the project. I think there's a real art in bringing the right people, the right skills into development. That's a bit of an art that takes passion. It takes good connections, good relationships, but also good sort of commercial and strategic acumen. And a bit of persistence, I imagine, too, on a project, the scale of West End, West Village. Yeah. Yeah. Look, it's never easy. You have your periods where it does get a bit easier, but um, you don't take them for granted. It's a case of development is about being persistent, you know, and that's probably some advice I give to young players in the industry is... um, be the last man or woman standing and um, you'll usually do pretty well. Yeah. West Village, as you were talking about before, underway since 2014, very significant scale, high profile project too for a range of reasons. When you look back on your time with Sekasui House on West Village, what aspects are you most proud of when you walk away at the end of each day? 
I think that word controversial, I think any great project has an element of controversial nature in it, whether it's community, whether it's design, whether it's its proposal in terms of how it fits into the city. The good things in development often challenge people. And I think if we're not doing that in development, we're not doing it right. So look, we're very proud of the ambitious nature of West Village, the fact that we did set out to really change the fabric of West End for the better. And I think as well, what it's actually created in terms of a catalyst movement for inner city lifestyle precincts for Southeast Queensland, really, and more nationally. So we see it as the future of urban development, that type of development model. So yeah, getting it right was big stakes, but we feel that we're we're almost there. And you spoke before about yeah, West Village and some of its early days in terms of you know, some controversial aspects and, and almost a controversial approvals process that you had to go through. Was that the most challenging part of that project that you've been involved in or where have you really sort of met with some significant challenges? I think a 10-year project through its various phases has very distinct phases of proposal, execution and delivery sort of phases. So I've been fortunate enough to see all of the phases from the very start. The acquisition was very fast. It happened quickly, 30 business days. We moved to financial close on that site. And then going through a very complex impact Mm. accessible planning uh, proposal that was fraught with some objection from small parts of the community, but overarching support. And interestingly, Mm. through that process, we did have about 90% of that community very much in support of the project. There were the vocal 10% that caused some challenges. So I think having secured an approval and actually delivered what we feel is a better outcome than what our approval probably said we should do, that's been a real hallmark of West Village and constantly over-delivering and under-promising. Yeah, it must give you tremendous satisfaction to walk past or walk onto the site each day and, and see what you've delivered and been part of delivering. Yeah, it does for our whole team, Kirsty. Um, we were just talking about our team and how long a lot of our team have actually been on the project and we've still got staff right there from the beginning that I've worked with since 2014. So it's a real pleasure to share that experience and share the wins with those great people. Yeah. You talk about you being there and, and many members of the project team being there from the start and you've been working on, I believe, for nearly eight years. How do you maintain that sense of motivation and enthusiasm for the project? How do you get up each morning and go, right, okay, let's keep working on that project another day? I think it's got to be more than a job. And I think, you know, we've had a huge amount of autonomy from our business. Secretary House has been an incredible proponent for the project and it's always backed the project team's vision, which has made it easier. There are immense challenges and does require a lot of resilience and Mm. and emotional robustness sort of throughout every corner of the team. So I'm not saying it's easy, but certainly the results we've been able to deliver, we're very proud of and that keeps us coming back. Yeah. You mentioned before, obviously, the the initial feedback from some small members of the community. Many, I suspect, of those vocal opponents early on are, are now some of the really vocal supporters of the project and probably shop there weekly, Harrison, I would imagine. If you had your time again, do you think you would, or the organisation, do you think you would approach that initial community engagement differently or do you think the way that unfolded was absolutely the way that a project of that scale was going to meet in terms of its challenging conditions? It's a great question. It's one that we've pondered Mm. a lot. 
I think it's a necessary process. Probably being a little bit more time constrained in the process is something that we'd recommend in the future. But ultimately, everybody has to have a voice. Yeah. Um, everybody has to be heard in catalyst major mixed-use projects. So that's the criticality, how it's executed. I think it's different for every project. And I imagine too, you know, there was you could see the vision of the project, but that is so difficult to be able to communicate from day one when there's not much else on site as well. That's a challenge for every developer, isn't it? It is. And it was so critical to our success, I think, is delivering that amenity very early on. Yeah. That was very intentional. Our development strategy was to deliver the public realm, all the car parking, the retail amenity very early on, do it to an extremely high standard and really set the tone for relationship in terms of how it sits in with the broader community and build that trust. Yeah. Now, returning to you, Harrison, Fast forwarding five years from now, what challenge would you like to be tackling? I think on a professional sense, it's the next site. We're we're in uh, due diligence on a couple of opportunities at the moment. Our ambitions to grow our presence in southeast Queensland and particularly in a Brisbane. We're immensely bullish on the medium term outlook for Brisbane. We have an ambition to become the preeminent urban regeneration mixed use developer um, in Australia. Yeah, fantastic. And personally, what about those? Is is that linked to directly to motorcycles? Look, I do enjoy my time <laughs> at the racetrack. I've got a, a few track bikes that keep me busy and, um, you know, pretty passionate about offshore fishing and, you know, having those opportunities to recharge from work is, is important. So that's another thing I think that's a bit of a secret is making sure you work hard, but you've got to play hard and, yeah. and enjoy downtime. And family time. How many injuries come from that motorcycling passion of yours, Harrison? There was a broken leg. uh, (laughs) I think actually my first day of Lendlease. Wow. I um, turned up to the office and Andrew Thompson, my manager then, welcomed me to the office and I was in a cast for the first eight weeks of my job there. Excellent. Made (laughs) Made a good first impression. Yeah, set but the I, tone for how I was. I think in all honesty, the last time I saw you, you were nursing an injury, but it was from gardening. Yeah, yeah. there was one on the weekend too, a bougainvillea. It's always, it's always a bougainvillea, <laughs> always. Yeah, they're nasty. <laughs> now, Harrison, you won our Awards for Excellence Young Leader category last year. What impact has that had on your career? Have you been able to identify some opportunities arising from that award in terms of mentoring younger members of the industry? Yeah, look, I'm obviously participating in the UDIA's mentoring program. And I think, you know, for me personally, seeing and growing a younger proponent of a team is is a very rewarding part of my role. I think being actively engaged in the industry and giving back to the industry is a big part of what I get out of that. I think personal sense too, it's been great recognition for probably Mm -hmm. the quiet but hard work we've been doing as a team over the past eight years. But for me, it's really about making a long-lasting positive legacy in the development industry. Yeah. And throughout your career, Harrison, have you engaged with mentors or made that a deliberate part of your strategy? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it depends on the phase of your career. You'll need different mentors, people outside of your immediate team to give you advice in challenging parts of your life, not only professionally but personally as well. I think... You know, I'm very fortunate to have had some really good senior people in the industry take me under their wing, show me the way they do it, but also be cognizant of what works for you personally. Something that I worked pretty hard on early in my career was sort of really being clear about what my values were Yes, and being really clear about 
who I wanted to be around in terms of those values. So I've made a conscious decision to work with people with similar values. And I was going to say that sort of leads us to that question around how do you select a mentor? Is it someone that you just get along really well with personally or is it, or do you identify them based on a skill that they may have that you're really looking to improve? Yeah, I think there's definitely an element of skill gaps, but also I think the best mentors give you perspective. Yeah. Often in our game, it's easy to get the blinkers on and sort of go down a road. But yeah, I think the best mentors will widen your perspective, show you another way of thinking and probably help you do the thinking for yourself rather than giving you the answers. Yeah, fantastic. Now, you mentioned before that you're obviously looking at um, some opportunities and in DD on a few sites around Brisbane. You're still managing fairly demanding um, site at West Village in terms of seeing that through to finalisation and completion. So what does an average day look like to you? Well, it starts with the kids usually right. early. Yeah. Um, Herding cats. Yeah, yeah. 5 a.m., uh, usually walking the dog bright and early and then a workout before the kids are up. Yeah, wow, okay. Like to start the day well, set the tone for how it's going to go. But yeah, look, first up, it's usually reading the papers. For me, it's really yeah. important to get a perspective on what's going on in a macro sense, digging into what's going on globally as well as in our own market. And then, you know, the day will roll out. Usually it's pretty full with meetings. Yeah. I'm still pretty hands-on with our residential, our commercial and retail elements of the project. Probably 20% of my week is now on new business and yeah. sort of broader relationships. So that does involve getting out of the office and, you know, FaceTime and quality time with the right people. Yeah, fantastic. And how easy or difficult is it at the moment to find those special sites across Brisbane? Incredibly challenging. Yeah. They're around, but the feasibility continues to be the challenge. And I think we're not the only group that has that view at the moment. But I think with that, there will come enormous opportunities. We're seeing probably a higher level of motivation from a lot of vendors at the moment, a bit more realism around where construction pricing yes. currently is. Yeah. And I think as well, there's probably an element of financiers starting to get a bit more involved with yeah with sites and wanting to see some outcomes. So we think over the next 12 months, we won't rush it, but we will certainly move forward. We're well capitalised. It's about buying the right sites at the right price, sites we can really make a mark on and do what we do best. You're seeing some strong competition from interstate developers? Yeah, certainly Melbourne particularly. Uh, We've seen some pretty uh, aggressive buying activity from Melbourne-based groups, some Sydney-based groups. But, um, you know, we see it in every cycle. Often that first move from interstate is at the wrong price Mm. and um, they overpay. So for us, it's about doing what we do best and making sure that we buy diligently We partner with the right designers, we partner with the right teams, we get the right terms that we need and we can do a good job. Ultimately, the the deal has to have enough profit in it for us to execute what we do well. And that bullish outlook that you have for Brisbane in particular, what extent is that fueled by the Olympics? Look, I think the Olympics is just a piece of puzzle. It's obviously got a major infrastructure commitment around that. Whenever there's that level of infrastructure needing to be delivered for something with an end date that's fairly close, 10 years now, that's always positive. But I think we're more bullish about the fundamentals around demographics and where we see the fundamental demography of our market moving. Um, We're seeing a really good groundswell in that sort of more younger family market now looking for high-rise, high-density lifestyle. So I think there's a number of reasons, but certainly Brisbane – We look at the price in the market at the moment, the infrastructure that's being delivered, 
um, the lifestyle, our demographic, and the lack of land supply. You know, it's a continual yeah. issue. Yeah. And we do have an unfolding housing crisis. So most of our development in Brisbane has to be delivered in high density residential. Yeah, it's very interesting when you look at those consolidation versus expansion targets for southeast Queensland and how we're tracking. You know, our future in terms of the planning outlook is very much in that consolidation space, but that's where the hard work really is, isn't it? It is. We've spoken about this previously. I think there's definitely a role for all levels of government in facilitating more cleanly that form of development. So I think the Olympics will provide quite a clear mandate for all levels of government to get stuff done and probably a bit more collaboration between the private sector. So we feel we can play really well in that space. The trust we built at West Village mm. and our other projects is a really good platform to roll out that. Yeah, fantastic. Now, going back to your 20-year-old self, so if you can cast your mind back to there, Harrison, what piece of advice would you give a young Harrison Phillips now? Oh, there's so much. I was so foolish when I was 20. Um, I don't believe it for a minute. (laughs) (laughs) um, I think surround yourself with great people and people that you aspire to be around, people that make you want to be better. And I think to a large degree, I did do that. The value thing, Yeah. working really early on in your career about who you are as a person and where you want to be. Things definitely get easier when you surround yourself with good people with Mm. similar values. Yeah. And I imagine part of that is also taking some guidance and some lead on, you know, ethical practices and how to conduct yourself. Yeah, absolutely. But a culture of excellence for me um, has really informed, you know, who I employ, who I want to partner with, how we work being clear around who it is that you want to be around. Yeah, fantastic. And also, I guess a a piece of advice to your 20-year-old self is careful of the Bougainvillea. (laughs) Yeah, and the racetrack. And and the racetrack. It bites. (laughs) Both of them bite very hard. They do. So, Harrison, if people like to get in touch with you after listening to this podcast today, where can they find you? Yeah, best location, Kirsty's probably LinkedIn initially and uh, happy to meet up for coffee and have a chat. Well, fantastic, Harrison. Thank you so much for your time and for joining us on Development Drum today. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you today, but also to work closely with you. We really do appreciate the time that you provide to UDIA in terms of your insights into what's happening out there in the market and also your role now as a mentor. So thank you, Harrison. Thanks, Kirsty. Thank you for listening to the UDIA Queensland's Development Drum podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure having you with us. Remember to rate and review this show on your favourite podcast app. While you're there, please make sure you click subscribe so you don't miss an episode.